Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who has conclusively proved that Son and Perisic can play together in the same team. It's fine. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Well, I mean, theoretically, they could. They don't. <laughs> but that's not <laughs> a direct fault between those two players, in my opinion. I mean, at the moment, like, since making that video, it looks like Perisic can't play football <laughs> at all. So, uh, great timing on that one, mate. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I finally got around to watching the video that Nathan made, like, a fortnight ago. It's extremely good. Thank you. Um, a very good piece of analysis. Um, I don't want to spoil too much. It's very thorough. It goes back to last season's son. Um, in fact, it reminded me of how much I was frustrated watching Son's back to goal play last season as well. It's just that last season he actually got chances That's like it. from fr- through balls. That's the only it. difference, isn't it? That's in my opinion, that is the difference between this season and last season's son. Yeah, nothing. He else. was just as Almost frustrating in his general play. <laughs> we I. <sighs> This is not the podcast for it, right? But last season we got pushback because we criticised Sun in games where he scored. Let's yeah. let's move on. Let's move on. No one cares about this. Yeah, anymore. yeah. No, it's no. But great video is is Thanks. what I'm saying. Um, we've had so many emails and messages and tweets over the past three four days. Um, so I want to say a, f- a few thank yous to the following for emails: um, Ivan Victor, Alec Deprinsky. Tobias Howlett, Abdul Akani, James Sullivan, Rob Kleinite, Doug Fellergy, Harry Hantel, Jeff Nelson, Paul Maslin, Daryl Brugink, and we got another one actually just now. Let me give him a shout out as well. Uh, Tucker Dietrich. Um, thank you all. Some very thought-provoking emails. Um, some very long emails. Some very frustrated emails. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, there's a lot. To, there's lots to talk about. I suppose at the moment we we are being written about by all of the major football writers, um, some of whom clearly are not paying much attention to the actual goings on at Tottenham, I think it's fair to say. I think Dan Kilpatrick wrote a really good piece today, which I thought was very well balanced. I enjoyed that. I also thought Miguel Delaney's article was was really good. Um, And like, it felt like he was actually, he'd actually like, Asked some Spurs fans about things, rather than, you know, some, some of the writing I've seen about Spurs recently is just dog shit. Yeah. Um, 
But we'll start off with the Southampton game and we'll go from there because I, I do think it's it's our thing to talk about um, the matches and analyse them to some degree. Do do not worry, we are going to talk about that press conference. It's it's going to happen. It's going to happen a little later. Uh, we'll start off with the lineup, and I guess Conte was undermined quite early on in the game. He started with Charleston, and Charleston had to come off injured after a handful of minutes. But there's a talking point there as well. Aside from from the pick of Richarlison over Kulusevski. I don't think there were many surprises in the lineup. Davis was once again starting left wing back. Pedro Porro started on the right. Um, Bardi, were you surprised at all by Emerson Royale's um, benching? No, not really. Porro played well against Forest. I thought the team, yeah, it wasn't surprising. Yeah, there was nothing. I don't think there was anything really to tell. It doesn't really surprise anybody with his selections, does it really, Conte? No. It's the same kind of thing every week. Yeah, and what did you make of the, the selection of Richarlison knowing now that uh, he, he'd gone down injured in the warm-up? Um, I don't know. I mean, he gave him a go. He played quite well against Forrest. He offers us something different. We got five substitutes. I don't think we would have really like. I don't think we expected to get two injuries in the in the first half, which then kind of screwed up how many subs we could do in the second half. I think it was a fair enough gamble with five subs, especially when he's so reluctant to make subs. It was it was all right to try it. I, I kind of wonder if he said to Richarlison, "Are you okay to play?" And Richarlison said yes. Mm-hmm. And personally, I don't think that should ever be a conversation that happens. I think it should be left up to medical professionals. It's uh, I mean, there's tough, there's loads, though, right? Even yeah. even when you're a medical professional, you still it's still hard to work around what a player is saying when a player says they feel fine. Yeah, know? it's not it's not concussion. As far as I'm aware, it wasn't a concussion. It was a, yeah. a muscular injury, and there's only so much the the medical staff can can do on that. Can you put weight on it? Does it feel fine? Can you stretch out? Mm-hmm. And if if Richardson says yes, and he does a good job of grimacing through the pain or hiding his mm. grimace through the pain or whatever, mm. it's, it's very hard. You know, you you can't take him for a scan after the warm up, and you can't make a conclusive call from that anyway. So, I mean, I just have so little faith in Spurs' um, ability to ensure the safety of the players after watching all or nothing. Sure, I get that. I get that. My I mean, my frustration, yeah. sorry, buddy, my frustration is like irrelevant to the injury. Is is playing Richarlison and yeah, Son and Kane yeah. in the front three is its own issue, and it worked out fine against Forest, who I thought were terrible. Um, mm. And I and I, I obviously wasn't surprised to see Conte stick, but I felt like it was going to come to bite us. It didn't because of Richarlison's injury. Other things did instead, mm, right? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Buddy, were you going to say something? Sorry. Yeah, I just mean there's, there's plenty we're going to spank Conte with right now. I, I think <laughs> trying Richarlison, who might be carrying an injury from the start, is, is he, he gets a pass on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm more critical of club policy and also Richardson in that instance to be honest I, I sort of I, I mean he, he was in tears he looked really like this is seems to be a serious injury otherwise I don't think he would have been in tears um and I kind of like I want to shake him and say that if you know you've got something that potentially that serious going on why do you think you can run it off what but, but then you know I've tried to run off injuries before because you get that little adrenaline burst don't you and and you think everything's fine you don't feel the pain initially and then you make it worse and whatever anyway I don't know why I'm going on about this <laughs> um this game was was interesting so we're playing bottom of the table Southampton who are bottom of the table in points but not quite in expected points they're a little higher okay. um not by loads but a bit higher they they were they've been underperforming their expected goals this season um hadn't scored three goals in a match all season 
Haven't scored many goals at all this season. Um, obviously, moved on from Nathan Jones relatively recently. Have got a caretaker manager who's been at the club since um, being assistant to Ralph Hasenhutl. They themselves had two injuries early in the game. They lost both of their centre-backs, um, which obviously isn't ideal. We lost uh, Richarlison and Ben Davis. I, d- I don't know how you guys felt, but to me there was something early on in this game, and I thought there were periods of the game, by the way, that we were okay. Okay, I wasn't blown away, but I thought we were fine. I just was cringing watching bottom of the table Southampton knock the ball around quite confidently and, you know, having a lot of the ball in our half, popping balls into into Che Adams, who was dropping off into space, players on rushing beyond him, fullbacks really heavily involved, particularly Kyle Walker-Peters, who I thought was really good. They're just playing, like, progressive, enjoyable football whilst we just plodded along knocking balls across the back line, as we do. I, I found it really, like, for a moment I was like... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I hate this version of Tottenham because it's this, and the bottom of the table side are playing in a much more sort of fluent, enjoyable way. It kind of to me, it was like it crystallised a lot of the way I feel about Spurs right now. And I would have felt this way even if we'd gone on to win three one, which it looked like we were going to do yeah. at one point. How, how did you guys feel about this match? I remember when Perisic scored the third, thinking that I would be coming on the podcast and sort of sarcastically saying, you know, tidy 3-1 win, no problem, never in doubt kind of thing um, at that point. Um, so I guess in a way you could feel where it's going. In terms of, in terms of like, in terms of letting the opposition in 20th place um, have a lot of the ball in the second half, especially. Yeah. We played Southampton first game of the season. And I, I remember um, we went ahead relatively early or whatever, and then we played on the break and we were outstanding on the break. And I came on this podcast and, and spoke so highly of, of how good we are once the game state is in our favour. Good, good generally, I thought at that time, because that was going on the back end of last season. But once we, once we were ahead, we're so good on the counter, not just being um, efficient from the counters that we have, but more importantly, in my opinion, generating a number of counterattacks again and getting those turnovers in midfield and then being threatening from them reliably. So like in terms of like tactical criticism of Conte, it's not to say this is not a viable tactical approach, right? It's not to say um, this doesn't suit our squads, which maybe there's something to, but to an overall point, we've proven this squad can do that and do it yeah. well, right? Um, there has to be more nuance to it than just to say we shouldn't do this, but to do this and lose is always just the worst thing in the world as a, as a, as a fan. I I hate it when it doesn't work, right? If you try and play possession football, it doesn't come off. It could be obviously painful, of course. If you try and play counter-attack football, it doesn't come off. It's It's miserable. It's so miserable. So if there is a tactical criticism, which I think there can be, it has to be you've seen this approach fail repeatedly and you haven't changed it up. Right, right. And I think the context has changed now from opening day because Southampton are bottom. And yeah, yeah, 100%. Bardi, how did it make you feel? 
The first half, I was all right with it. I thought the first half we were able to get Poro in some nice positions and I thought we were doing all right. And then like you guys, I thought of 3-1 is going to be one of those away results where it's just like, okay, we did enough. We had we did what we needed to do to win and we got the three points. And I've, I've arrived at a point of the season with this with this team and the manager's just like, I just want the points. I don't care how we get there and how, how they're achieved. But there was, there was a moment where I was watching everybody behind the ball and nobody doing anything. And it's quite incredible how we could be, how we could play a defensive tactic and try and be defensive, but then just be anything but defensive. <laughs> and I, it, it, takes, it takes some skill on the, on the bench and on the pitch to be able to put nine men, 10 men behind the ball and nobody is anywhere near the ball. So I think there's, um, there's, there's a lot going wrong at Tottenham and, and the press conference kind of shows that there's, there's, you know, he's lost the dressing room, yeah, for sure. There's always that moment. That's gone. Yeah, I think I think this is over now. And this is one of those this is one of those moments which you you go back and you recognise that the era is done and we have to move on from it. And uh, this game sums it up beautifully because there was just I hate using the word lack of desire, lack of passion, but nobody was making a tackle, no one was doing anything. Everybody's head's gone, everybody's thinking about something else, and it's uh, it's misery. It's a pure misery. Mm-hmm. And yet we would have won the game were it not for a, a dodgy decision by the sure. video assistant referee. Um, let's talk a little bit about that penalty call. I I can't see any way in which that is a legitimate penalty. And I think, we, I've said in this podcast many times, I think the threshold is too high for the whole clear and obvious error thing. They don't correct things enough because yeah. like the referee isn't wrong enough. Yeah. In this instance, I don't think that argument applies. I think... The referee was clearly wrong. He thought that Saar had gone through the back of the player and he hadn't. He'd air kicked, essentially. Might have brushed and, him. And might have, might might have brushed him. But brushed there's him. A, ultimately, there's a, dive, there's a dive there. And I think the whole purpose of the video assistant referee should be to recognise where there's been an, an inherent unfairness and to correct that decision. And I thought, when I saw the replay, I thought, oh, okay, this will get cleared up. Mm. And, then it, and then it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, not to take away from um, how terrible this game was before the penalty was given, um, but I felt like it was Maitland Niles, wasn't it? I, th- I felt like Maitland Niles had um, thrown himself in dangerously with high studs into where Saar was possessing the ball, and therefore, mm. if anything, he had fouled Saar despite having his foot up earlier. Um, I think that he, that Maitland Niles made a dangerous play. And as a result of his own dangerous play, he got lightly brushed on the calf by by Saar. Um, yeah, it did remind me of the um, Lamella one at Anfield. Yeah, hundred percent. Lamella saw Van Dijk was going to clear it and then put himself in the way of the clearance. But at least Lamella got whacked. He got yeah. hit. On oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we need to, the the three points would have been useful, but. Is the fallout from not getting the three points going to be more useful for us in the long run? I don't know. And I think that's what we, we need to see where the club goes from here. I think us recording this on a Monday, when I think Conte's in Italy, we might this, this might be dated pretty quick because we don't know what's going to happen. But it, it's one of those moments that the press conference and the penalty overshadows everything else. And there were flaws in the game. I think there was a lot to take from it. I thought Porro was excellent. Sure. Oh, I, really liked, I really liked his, his attitude in the first half. But the second half, we, we started slow, man. And I don't know what it is. I really don't know how we can come out and within just be like that from the, from the start. We really need to, there really needs to be an improvement 
whoever the new manager is, there there is serious issues with this with this defense with this team at this club. There needs to be fixes, and I I just I don't think. I don't think just re just don't rejigging it is going to help. I think there's I think there's fundamental flaws in this club. We'll definitely come back yeah. to that comment um, for sure. <laughs> I really like this question from um, Doug Felogy, who says, "With the Southampton match just ending, most of the TV personalities have blamed the result on the shortcomings of individual Spurs players in individual moments. Sars' attempt to clear that resulted in the penalty being given, Perisic losing his man and not tracking back fast enough, etc." Throughout the season, though, I've also heard blame for poor performances attributed to Conte's insistence on his preferred formation, not rotating players, and waiting too long before making substitutions. I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on how to assign responsibility for results to the player against the manager. Was today an example of the players doing their best but making errors that Conte should have foreseen? Did Conte manage well but the players switched off, or was it a combination of the two? It's it's very difficult to answer this question without going to Conte's comments, right? So Conte post-match essentially put it on the individuals. He says that the yes the the I can't remember his exact wording. The the players are um, help me out here, please. The club has responsibility for the transfer market. Every coach has stayed here has their responsibility, and the players were the players. In my experience, I I could tell if you want to be competitive, if you want to fight, you have to improve this aspect. Is that the bit? Mm. And this aspect, I can tell you in this moment, is really, really low. And I see only 11 players that play for themselves. Selfish. You called them selfish, right? Mm. Um, We are 11 players that go into the pitch. I see selfish players. I see players that don't want to help each other out and don't put... Sorry. I see players that don't want to help each other out and don't put their heart... Before today, I preferred to hide this situation and tried to speak to try to improve the spirit and situation mm. with the words, with a lot of situations, because about tactical, te- technical aspect, this is one situation. The most important thing, if you want to become a strong team, if you want to become a competitive, if you want to fight to win, is the desire, the fire that you need to have in your eyes, in your heart, and you have to show this in every moment. Okay, so they lack the necessary fire and desire. Um, they're selfish. Um, I think that there are ways in which you can see that materialize on the pitch in our passivity defensively um the first thing on that is that um not to rid the back five of individual criticism but pressing starts from the front right so it's Kane and Son Richarlison then Kulusevski um and then our, and our midfield two helping them out in that press and they were super like when we're three one up three two up super super passive um lacking energy Hoiberg just getting dribbled past um after Kane has walked around, right? So it has to start there when we talk about individuals. But to a much larger point, right, we've seen a dramatic lack of rotation this season, last season too. So which players which players is he talking about, right? Is he talking about the players that he starts, in which case try other players? Or is he talking about the players he doesn't start, in which case what's the fucking problem, Right. If if it's Harry Kane, say it's Harry Kane. If it's Son, say it's Son. Try a different player in Son's place because we've got three natural backups in the squad, right? If it's Eric Dyer, fine. You've played Eric Dyer all season. You could play Longley and Davies and Romero in the back three. You did that for a couple of games. You didn't like it. You brought Dyer back in. If his position is that it is rotten through the entire squad... It's an entire squad of selfish players and he's got to pick 11 of them. It's an entire squad of a lack of desire. Surely that has to reflect on him because we were good last season. We invested an enormous amount of money on the players that he wanted and now the squad is selfish, has given up, has no desire. Um, 
is playing terribly, has no intensity. At some point, he's got to take some level of responsibility for some of that, right? Yeah, he he does need to take responsibility and he'll be fired b- because of that. But there is... I mean, I used to talk about Vertonghen when he got the hunch and all these players when, when they st- they start hunching. And Dyer was similar. Like, it's really easy for a defender to drop behind the goalkeeper and protect the goal rather than step into the ball and, and go and claim the ball. There is, there is an issue with the tactics and there is an issue with the individuals. And we've just arrived at this kind of perfect place where it's all gone wrong at the same time. The players are un- unable just to see, a ge- see out a game and just win some tackles, make some fouls and just, just stop. Southampton. It's not. It's not Real Madrid. It's Southampton. Just stop them running through you. Take a yellow card for fuck's sake. They have. They didn't do that. And then it's also Conte's fault for not being able to to stop that either and inspire these players. Change up. So there is. It's there's there's fault all over the place. I I don't know if I imagined I'd said this or I or I prepared to say it. But when you sack a manager, it's a you've arrived at a point where everything has failed. Everything the club has put in position from the hiring of the manager to the training to the tactics to the scouting, everything is an ultimate failure that belongs to the club. And I think that's what that's what we've happened here. We've hired a manager that doesn't fit for us. We've not allowed that manager or given that manager what he demanded for, for various reasons. He's been unable to adapt according to what we've given him. And we've arrived here now where... It's not that bad, but it's pretty bad, and it can only can only get worse. So we have to we have to just cut it off and, and start again, and, and hope that whoever it is can can bring get something out of these players that look unmotivated, and it's just their ability just to give up again for another manager that that really annoys me. That's that's what gets me down about this. Uh, uh, I'd sort of take issue with your another manager mm-hmm. comment because I'd, again, I, other than Dyer and Davis, we'd, are we talking about Son and Kane and Larice? You know, they've been exceptional yeah. servants for us over many years. Um, I, I, I Son would, has not been exceptional. Son has been very far from exceptional this season. Uh, this season, sure, but again, I think that's tactical. I do think that's tactical, largely. Um, I, if I were going to push back on Conte's comments about the players, I, I, well, I would really like to draw on this email from James Sullivan, which I think is really helpful. So James says, it's really important that we do not let Conte completely dissociate himself from Spurs. This side has his fingerprints all over it. Under Conte, we offered new deals to Lloris and Dyer. He was effusive in his praise of both. He said Dyer could become the best in his position in the world. When we signed Richarlison, the player confirmed that Conte called him personally to convince him. On Basuma, Conte has said how much he, he has impressed us with his performances for Brighton last season. We know about his history with Perisic too. Even on centre-backs, Conte clearly said last December how we didn't need new players in that position. Speaking about Clément Longley, he said how happy the club was with our choice to sign him, you mean in Conte's team, citing the player's technical ability and personality. We constantly talk about Conte not mincing his words, so saying he was towing the company line with these quotes doesn't wash. I actually mm. quite like the players we have signed or renewed, but they have underperformed under Conte. We cannot let Conte rewrite history. If he's going to talk to the place, let's lock the door before he leaves. Maybe. Uh, I think Richarlison will probably turn out to be a decent signing. I think he's been unlucky with injuries and I think he's been played out of position. I think Basuma will ultimately turn out to be a good player. He's had for many reasons when he struggled to get in and now he got injured. I think Perisic was a gamble, a free transfer gamble who just fell off a cliff. I think Longley, I don't know, man. I, I just, I struggle to think you go from Guardiol and Bastoni to Longley. I even know Conte was perhaps happy with him and maybe he did want to sign him as a backup to Bastonia Inter, maybe. But I still don't think, I don't think that's a huge drop off from two intended players that you were going to spend £50 million on to a £3 million loan. Yeah. 
Mm, I mean, this this Conte press conference was. I think you can tell that this was something out of the ordinary from the reaction of the journalists that were in it. It was like they were all flabbergasted mm. by what had happened, by the um, the level of like anger from Conte. Mm. Um, and like I think a lot of it is performative, to be honest. I think Conte likes to lash out, doesn't he? For, for, to, to me, this came across as a man trying to save his own skin, a man trying to to throw the players under the bus to save himself, to save his own reputation. He's not been at a club like Spurs before. He's not been anywhere where he's not had the tools to win the league. He's been at Chelsea, who'd won several titles in the in the years before he arrived. He's been at Inter, where they'd won several titles in the year before he arrived. He, he, he's been at Juventus, where they'd won several titles before he arrived. Like They're all starting from a much stronger base. He hadn't been at a club like Spurs, who... The best we've done is some consecutive top four finishes under Maurizio Pochettino. That's the best we've done in recent history. And for him to elevate us to title winning was always going to be challenging. And I think he finds it immensely frustrating that he has ultimately failed. I think that there there is um, there is a comparison with Inter in terms of current stature at the time. Um, but then Inter went out and spent an enormous sum of money Um over a couple of windows. So, you know, that's how they compensated for that, basically. Um, th- and this kind of comes back to the... the. It, it's simultaneously true that, like, Conte has been backed with an, a large sum of money with players that he wanted, and true that we didn't go all the way to yeah. make a club spending that he's probably used to, right? This is the compromise between the two, and this is what we spoke about in January, right? In January, we said, or even before January, we said, you've got to make a decision, Right. Are we a mega club who hire Antonio Conte and spend enormous sums every window, who just spend and spend and spend until every problem goes away on a continuous cycle of mass loss? Or are we in the financial tier below that where we have to be smart, we have to buy young, we have to sell on, where we have to plan everything long term and that we couldn't go into the rest of the season trying to balance between the two that we shouldn't go into the rest of the season with a coach with six months left on his contract. There's not much point continuing the season with Conte if we aren't going to bring in two, three players in the January window. And what we did is we didn't get an extension out of Conte, didn't get assurances out of Conte, bought him one player, one very expensive player who hasn't in time solved one problem in time for it to matter because the season's already over. Now he's in the starting eleven. It's it's this it's this um this towing the line, and and the the thing that I think most people criticise Enoch and Levy for is for for asking him to go in the direction that he has gone with this approach over the last few years, right? Hiring Mourinho, hiring Conte, spending a lot of money. And yes, we could have spent more. Yes, again, we haven't gone all the way, but look at how it has failed when we tried to do our impression of that. It's just, it's not, it's not what is appropriate for us. It's not where we are. Um, n- the thing is that there is this other route that we can go. We can go for a, uh, an upcoming manager. We can go for five-year contracts and five-year thinking. We can bring through younger players who require coaching. We can improve them. So I'm not writing off Spurs, as Conte has done. I'm not writing off Spurs because I think that there's so much promise in what we mm. have built as a club. What Enoch 
it's fair to say have built into this club over a longer period of time, but they've stalled out because they um, have have overthought their achievement. Mm. I do think a lot of this, a lot of the Conte, a lot of the Jose stuff comes down to Harry Kane and the the club's like yeah. desperation yeah. To, to keep hold of Harry Kane. We've spoken a few times about Harry Kane and I've mentioned a few times about my, I don't want to sell Harry Kane, but I'm not... I'm not against the world in which we move him on and we change something. I think if we go for a manager, a different type of manager, then we have to accept that Kane is gone and we have to... You can't, I don't think you can play... You can't play a high-pressing line with Harry Kane. It's impossible. You can't play Kane deeper as a 10 and expect them that midfield to press. So I think we either accept the fact that we're going to go for a project manager, a younger, more... I mean, I have a, progressive not that I don't I don't think Conte's a dinosaur but you have to go for a progressive manager just accept the fact that Kane is gone and Son will probably go as well unless we play him through the middle I think so I think so and I think that probably um I think that probably has been significant right bringing in big names to appease Kane so that he sticks around Mm. rather than buying the bullet and recognizing where we are and there were reports that you know Kane's going to be is going to talk to the club about who the manager is going to be next before he signs an extension and it's just like we can't be falling into the same trap it hasn't worked trying to appease Kane on the the budget and when I say budget I mean globally an enormous budget globally a a horrifying quantity of money right to spend (laughs) 200 million pounds on the rights to contracts of football players uh, over the course of the 18 months that that Conte's been at the club more than that even um it's absurd sums of money but it's less than you know the the six or seven clubs um several of which are in our league uh that they have to spend right we're just we can't do that. We can't play that game. And if, if Kane thinks that that means that he should move on, then we just have to make peace with that. How do you feel about uh, Ten Hag wanting to sign Kane uh, and play in a side that does, to some degree, press? Does that make you rethink the, the theory that Kane can't play in a pressing team? Well, he could be wrong. I think that um, United's recruitment under Ten Hag um, has been... Um, it's been very inefficient, right? So they have, it's fair to say, they're, they're now a point ahead of us, right? But it's fair to say that Ten Hag's first season, taking over a, a, a very much struggling team, um, has been a success. They spent a huge sum of money, again, what we're talking about, mega club money, spent a huge sum of money, in my opinion, very inefficiently to get um, halfway to where he wants the team to be, right? So uh, their recruitment has been good enough simply because they've spent absurd money. In terms of an efficiency for value, it's been very poor, in my opinion, right? So just because Man United think they want Harry Kane doesn't mean that they are right. However, I think that you can... I think that he is um, doesn't have the necessary intensity, but if the players are around him are playing a certain intensity, then he has an intelligence in his pressing that that is enough, I mm, believe. I agree. Yeah, I think I think if you put Casemiro behind most players, they look all right. The problem with Tottenham is we put Schoeberg behind Harry Kane and Schoeberg can't tackle anything. I want to talk a lot more about uh, this Conte press conference. Um, but before we do, uh, for 2023, we are partnered with Athletic Green. So over to Bardi. I started taking AG1 because my health is important to me. And I trust AG1. We are a team. They fight for me and show desire. <laughs> this is the history of AG1 and Bardi. They have the responsibility and I have the responsibility of taking AG1. Last season, they were good. And this season, they're good. They're always good. They always turn up. They never get knocked out by some other pills or shakes. 
When under pressure, they deliver all the nutrients and the ingredients, all in the shaker. They're never selfish. And there's way more than just 11 of them. They work for my body. They work as a team. I see this every day. No excuse. In my time, they've been the best. I've never seen better. No excuses. No hiding. AG1. Get it done. <laughs> bravo. <laughs> Fucking bravo. It's the history uh... of AG1. <laughs> <laughs> passion uh it also supports better sleep quality and recovery and in 2020 ag donated over 1.2 million meals to kids to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch again that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance I have seen the managers that Tottenham had on the bench. You risked to disrupt the figure of the manager and to protect the other situation in every moment. Until now... Sorry, I'm not going to bother with that bit. Mm. He, 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 he since claimed, apparently, in, in behind-the-scenes talks with the Spurs hierarchy, that he was only talking about the players. But I think it's obvious when he says, specifically, the owner. There is the owner. 20 years, there is the owner, and they never won something, but why? He's saying, isn't it obvious why they've never won anything? The owner. That's why they've never won anything. They've never backed the manager. Um, well, I think there's there's some truth in this because there's the, the only constant at this club is, is Daniel Levy making the decisions. And um, I think it's fair enough. And I, I honestly believe that Daniel Levy should step aside and leave leave the footballing decisions to somebody else now and stop getting involved and whoever appoints the next manager it shouldn't be it shouldn't be his choice he's had enough managers now and context right there's been some good people that have sat on our bench Pochettino Jose AVB even Redknapp all capable managers but something has always stopped them from from achieving what we need so uh, 
um, I think it's a fair enough comment. Obviously, you don't say that about your employers. I, I, I don't sit there. I can't go on a rant against my manager and, and the people that employ me. It's all, you're always taking your life in your hands when you do that. And that's why he'll end up getting sacked. But I think it's a fair enough point. And I kind of enjoyed him airing that and being and almost kind of sparking the Enoch out movement. They needed something to, to get them unified. And, and Conte might have provided that. His legacy could be starting Enoch out and getting them properly organised. So so Kyle Findlay agrees with you. He says, I think it's entirely possible that Conte should go and every word he just said in the press is correct. Thoughts? Um, I don't know if every word is correct. He's obviously self-preservation and he's he's saving himself in, in you know, a typical Conte way. But there's a there's a hell of a lot of truth there. I think he I think he is essentially mischaracterizing our recent history personally. I think I think like I understand. I understand that that we've we've not managed to get it over the line. That Daniel Levy has, since he took over at Spurs, seen an incredible upward trajectory for Spurs, which has stopped at fourth place. It's or, or third place or second place, but it's stopped. You know, we we've got. He's got us so far. He's taken us from a a, a perennial mid-table club who never did anything throughout my childhood. We won we won a, a league cup um, to like legitimately one of the biggest four or five teams in in British football um who is self-sustaining and has an incredible revenue stream now where we can go out and buy 50 million pound players in the transfer window that like being able to compete with the the top clubs was something that I could only dream of when I was younger and I think Daniel Levy from a sort of uh, macro perspective should be applauded for that I agree that like you can look, you can zoom in on some of the decisions that Levy's made along the way and say there is mistake after mistake after mistake in that decision making. And I think it's very easy for us to say that in hindsight. But you know, with we we complained that Pochettino wasn't backed, but at the time we were building a billion pound stadium, so it's kind of obvious why he wasn't backed. And also, Pochettino turned down some very, in my opinion, good players that could have helped. Um, so I don't think that's like. A simple case of Pochettino wasn't backed. I think there's more nuance there. Mourinho, you know, sure we could have backed him more, but it, there was the backdrop of COVID and the the hit on revenue that 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 had, and the fact that Mourinho's football absolutely sucked the life out of the fans, and it perhaps would have even been worse if um, fans had been allowed in stadiums. And then I think Conte has been backed, as we've said in this podcast, not to the degree that he would like, but. In a, I think in a very, I think he's been backed more than any manager has at Spurs, probably. Yeah. In in the history of the club, in terms of being given a lot of money to spend on a lot of players, and also let's not forget that he was allowed to just wipe out millions of pounds from the squad in in terms of getting rid of Ndombele and Latelso, players that he didn't want around. The, the the club allowed him to do that, allowed him to be ruthless. Yeah. Which was a a big thing to allow a manager to do, particularly a manager that doesn't stick around long. I, I feel like Conte is rewriting history a little here. Um, but I, I appreciate that his comments have resonated with a large amount of the fans who are very frustrated at the ownership. I think there's a simplicity in a lot of it, in a lot of the unique out movement. I think a lot of people just think purely in terms of spending. And I think that's why Bardi makes the point he has about that movement needing something to latch onto because if it's just that we haven't spent enough money, well, I personally think we will spend a lot of money over the next two or no, three it's years. Not, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's about these managers that Levy has appointed. He's then are uh, now being sacked. So he's picking these managers or him yeah. and the, the guy that he hires to pick the manager. So it's his responsibility. He can't pass this down. 
there, it mm. ends up with him. So we got Conte because he okayed it. We got Jose because he okayed it. We fired mm. Pochettino because he okayed it. That's the problem. It's not so much the money. And the money is, the Premier League has just, I mean, Bournemouth is outspending every Serie A team. So there's Look the at money Nottingham Forest as well. I mean, there's the amount money, of money yeah, they the, spent. The money has come, not through the stadium, but through the TV. Everything else is, 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 is doesn't no, matter. No, no, no. You look at the revenue streams and our, our match day revenue is insane compared to other teams. Like it, it, it elevates us to an extreme level in, in terms of our um, direct competitors. But we're not seeing that being put... We're not, well, well we're, I think we have started to see that and I think we'll continue. Because in the last two windows, we spent handsome amounts of money and not recouped a great deal. Yeah. But anyway, I'm not so this is not my my problem with Levy wasn't the transfers. It's his it's his continual appointing of managers who then don't work or yeah. he buys them. And that's that's the issue. And then <clears throat> we hear about Jed Spence. Jed Spence will probably turn into be a pretty good right wing back. Yeah. But he's not the right wing back that Antonio Conte wanted. <laughs> and Dan Juma may turn into be a pretty decent forward, but he's not he the is. player that Antonio Conte wanted in January. And I think that's that's where the problem comes with. Like He's not. He's not given that manager what he's required. What he's requested. He's not given jo- Jose. I don't know. Maybe Jose wanted Matic. I, who, who knows? He loves him, but he didn't yeah. give him those players. You know. So that's the thing that it's not when so much the money. It's the individuals. I, I get it, but when you when you're spending fifty million pounds a year in someone's wages. For them to then have such narrow Money's requirements that you can only meet those very specific requirements and anything else is unacceptable. I just think that's ridiculous. On I, both I, sides, I, that is ridiculous. I'm not defending Conte. I agree. He needs to be fired. But what I'm saying is there. everybody's talking about the £15 million a year thing. I think his wages are, are not important in this. Otherwise, what? Shoei begs on £100,000 a week and he can't pass forward. Because then otherwise, the, the, the money in football is so ridiculous that it's not even a talking point, surely. We, we chose to pay him that money. Daniel Levy signed off to pay him that much mm. money. So that's Daniel. That's on Daniel Levy for paying a manager that much. But you can't go to Conte like, oh, you should be doing better for fifteen million pounds. He should, if he's getting paid one point five million pounds, he should be doing better than what he's doing. Mm. You see what I mean? The money's irrelevant at this point. Conte's repeated selection of Pierre Mihoibia is should be another nail in his coffin to to you, like for sure. He, he loves Hoibia. He loves him. He, he plays him every game. Even though he's selfish and has no fire. He has no fire. He just waves his arms around. I will back whatever manager we get next. If he boots out, if he gets rid of that guy, I'm <laughs> on. I'm all for him. He needs to he, he gotta go. Whoever get, whoever we hire, just boot out Hewitt. I'm yours for life. I will support you no matter what. I'll go down. Look how much I'm protecting a fucking Juventino pezza di merda. If we get... <laughs> If we get someone who boots out Schoenberg, I'm I'm this. <laughs> Don't even fucking like Conte. So 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 do we think do we think that this is it for Conte? Has he gone too far this time? I I feel like he is wanting to be sacked at this point. Yeah yeah, it feels like he's asking to be sacked. I I I I am fucking outraged about what he said. I I hate what he said. I don't I don't think it's true. I think it's bollocks. It, what think... he said is worse than anything Mourinho has said about yeah, us I agree, ever. I agree. And I, I hated Mourinho. I as 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 a world leaning Mourinho heater, I hate Conte more now. Right? Yeah, same. Same. I um bear in mind, first of all, please, that I they have have reached this point in the podcast having previously laid a bunch of criticism for Levy and Enoch. 
right? Mm-hmm. There are criticisms. There are plenty of criticisms to make. We make them re- increasingly regularly on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, it's a matter of, of smartness, right? We can be smarter than other clubs. We can do things better. That's it. That's the only mentality is ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This this line of critique, no trophies, factually true, <laughs> factually true. But also, um, fuck it, why haven't Newcastle won any trophies? Why haven't Brighton won any trophies? Why haven't Brentford won any trophies? Why haven't Fulham won any trophies? Why haven't Aston Villa won any trophies? Why haven't Crystal Palace won any trophies? Wolverhampton, Leeds, Everton, Forest, West Ham, Bournemouth, Southampton. Don't get me started on the championship, right? There are... We're in the most hotly contested league in the world by a long way, right? There are four trophies we're eligible for. Two of them, as a club, we largely discount at the beginning of of every season, right? And you can critique that specifically. You say, hey, this is the position we're in as a club. We're going to find it hard to push for league titles in the Champions League. Let's take a serious run in the cup. That's not my personal perspective, but it's one I absolutely respect. If Conte mm-hmm. feels that way, don't rotate the entire fucking team out for a cup game that we that we need to win in order to get a trophy, right? So he's completely undermined his own criticism in that case, right? Why don't we win the league and the Champions League? Because we're completely up against it. Because Chelsea and City and now Newcastle and now Man United can spend huge, huge, huge sums again and again and fail and spend it again and fail and spend it again. We can outperform them on the pitch. It's possible. We can be smart enough. We can do it well enough. I believe we have the capacity. But with the sixth or seventh highest wage bill in the league, every time we finish above seventh, we're overperforming our financial reality, mm-hmm. right? There's only two trophies. Seasons end once a year. We're talking about um, only a really a number of seasons where we've been in the run for either of those trophies. It's just not statistically likely that we would win one of them. I think that we can eventually. I think that we will eventually if we're smart enough, if we go about it smart enough. But this idea that if you're not one of essentially four teams in the world, you're shit is such a bollocks way of talking and thinking about football. It's how our rivals talk about us. It is not acceptable for our coach to talk about us that way. And that's why he's got to be sacked. I completely agree, Nathan. I completely agree. And I would add to that, that I have seen at least two articles by supposed like top-level journalists who have questioned the club culture at Tottenham. I think I think organizational culture is a thing. I think um, mission, vision, values is a thing. I think in football and in, especially on the football facing side of things, it is bollocks. It is absolute bollocks. Club culture essentially means: is the team good? Yes, you have a good club culture. Is the team bad? Yes, you have a bad club culture. There's nothing more to it. If you if you hire a manager who's successful, you've got a good culture. If you hire a manager who's unsuccessful, you've got a bad culture. There's no such thing as a good club culture if you go from a good manager to a bad manager. A bad manager will undo any culture there is anyway. I think it's a nonsense. You develop a winning mentality by winning football games and you win football games by being good, right? Absolutely, by I, having good players and a good so. manager. I, I, I agree with you, but I do think there's certain things about certain clubs that they just have a mystique about them and they're able just to just to get things over the line. Liverpool, one of those clubs, if Liverpool are in the final, you pretty much, they, they don't win every single final, but you've got that feeling that they're going to do it. There's certain clubs that but just that. Have wasn't that. the case for years and they've, they've only achieved that by investing 
No, no, because millions. they were still winning. They were still winning UEFA Cups and FA Cups and League Cups in between under Hugh Houllier and under Souness and that kind of stuff. There, there is something. There is something about a club like Liverpool, but we're never going to arrive at that point. It takes generations and generations of, of winning competitions to have that stubbornness amongst the crowd and amongst everybody else that makes you think you're going to win. Is there, is there an incorrect culture at Tottenham? Maybe. I, I agree that he rested, he rested the players against Sheffield United and that's on him. But I do think Lucas, for all his faults, should be playing better against Sheffield United. I think <laughs> Richarlison should be playing better against Sheffield United. I do think there's something in there that we don't prioritise or is there's not enough of an incentive there for them to win this game? Losing to Sheffield United was pathetic. And that, that's yeah. not Conte, but it's also there's something wrong with the players there, man. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I fundamentally think that essentially managers are told at Tottenham Hotspur that the biggest priority above everything year on year is finishing in the top four to yeah. be in the Champions League because then you'll have more spending money for the next season when you can then try and go higher. So with that in mind, managers essentially bin off the League Cup and the FA Cup. Sadly, I mean, the FA Cup used to be a huge thing in English football. It's just not anymore. Player, teams in the Premier League constantly rotate for the FA Cup. Um, and if a manager has that pressure on them from above, that the, the be-all and end-all is the top four, then of course they're going to rotate. And the problem with Conte's rotation is it is <laughs> it's not proper rotation, essentially. You've got... We've spoken about it before. You've got an A team and a B team. And if you're in the B team and you've got no chance of making it into the A team, where's your motivation to try hard and do well? What what motivation Is has that a pat- culture? Is that a culture problem? Though? That's, That's a culture that, that Conte has created in the, in the, in the, the team. that was the same with Poch and it was the same with Nuno. Uh, when Nuno took the uh, second string team to whoever team that was in Holland and they lost. Yes. So- I, I, and again, I think that is because of the club setting the priorities. Um, I think Pochettino's rotation was... Better, but still not good. Mourinho's was better, but bad. Conte's is horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. What? Why would Lucas or Pat Matassar or anyone think that playing well or trying really hard will end with him being in the first team when that has simply not happened under Antonio Conte? You can't play your way into his first choice 11. It doesn't happen. Unless there's an injury, it doesn't happen. You either get signed and you, you, you're in or you're, you're one of his favourites and you're in. That, that explains why Davis and Dyer, players that the fans are sick of, a lot of the fans are sick of, remain, and Hoybier, remain big favourites to, to Conte. He has his, his core group of players that he uses no matter what and you can't oust them. In terms of mentality, right, we're talking about a, a club who, we're obviously with some changes in the squad now, not that long ago, made it to a Champions League final, right? To- needed three yeah. goals in the Champions League semi-final. It just It doesn't get much. And in the previous round, the, the, the comeback against Man City yeah. as well. Well, again, also... Uh, a club who have more turnaround victories, more comeback victories in the in the Premier League than any other team, right? It's just it doesn't it doesn't add up. Like we win those games because we get and with that that's also true of like this season. The number of comebacks we've had this season that those are mentality monsters, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. come back after come back after come back. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Like you said, you know, we're, we're it's a matter of being good, and we can we can be good. We we have that capacity as a club to be a good team who win games, and then suddenly we're we're mental warriors. Um, I we talked about style of play earlier, right? We talked about how we approach the Southampton game in terms of dropping off deep, letting them have the ball. If there is through multiple squads or multiple half squads um, a consistent 
um, sort of underlying mental facet to to us as a club that we've seen why the low block encounter stopped working under Mourinho, why the low block encounter stopped working under Conte is because we as a club are fundamentally, ideologically predisposed to be against low block encounter football. And if that's the case, good. <laughs> Stop fucking playing it. Hire a manager who plays possession football. I did buy some midfielders who can do possession yeah, yeah. Forwards. Forwards. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. When, when Conte's sacked, who comes in and what we do with our formation. That's, that's really... I think, I think the best thing for me personally is we all change it. We have something new to talk about. It'd be really nice. I'm really looking forward to having something me too, man. to look forward to and something to ponder. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, always yeah, nice. Yeah. Do you Fresh. know what? Like, I, I agree with everything Nathan said. The, the, the statistical chance of us winning a trophy is low. So that doesn't mean we shouldn't focus on winning a trophy. Mm. We should absolutely try and win a trophy. But the chance is low. So what can we do in the meantime? We can at least have some football that we enjoy watching. At least give us something to get behind, something to cheer, something to enjoy with our friends and family, something to make us feel good. Uh, I've seen some, I've seen so many teams play good football this season that I've been jealous of and last season. Um, and that's all I want. I, I want a, I want a good manager who will have us competing and have us in the top four. But I want them to do it playing a brand of football that I actually enjoy watching. And I don't think that's I don't think that's too much to ask for a club of our stature with our resources. I think you can have both. I think mean, you can have you know regular top four finishes and a good style of football, an enjoyable style of football. I just want to win games. I just want I just want my perfect season of thirty eight one nils. <laughs> I tell you one quote about the club that I did like this weekend. And that was uh, Romero's Instagram post. I thought that was um, really like interesting in it being the antithesis of what Conte said. So this is what Romero said on Insta. He said, there are many things to improve, but we will not get tired of trying. We will get up and try again. I love the players on my team. I love them and my club. I know we are going to move forward and the time and work of everyone together will tell us where we will get to. I've been here for a short time, but we're going to be together to achieve important things. And then he put a white heart at the end of that post. Selfish, I, 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 no I, desire, <laughs> uh, loser mentality, etc. Maybe that would stop him getting sent off in 75 minutes <laughs> in the Champions League game. Ugh, so cynical, so cynical. I mean, that's that's what you want in a player, isn't it? Yeah. Someone who kind of seems to get it and actually buys into what we're trying to achieve here. I don't like maybe maybe Romero is a mercenary and I'm I'm just falling for some mm. PR bullshit. But it feels real. That feels and the way he plays, it seems real. He's he's a proper heart and sleeve player. Mm. Um, and I think we've got a few of those in our squad. You know, I think Kane and Son have got a bit of that. I think Richarlison absolutely uses it. I think there's a lot to get behind for the future. I'm seeing the you know the the fact that Jed Spence played so well against Paris Saint Germain this weekend. Um, and has created a lot of, of hype around him. I think that's really exciting. Udoji got man of the match, and I think he got an assist as well. I think he's really exciting. There's there's loads to be positive about for the future. We just need to get this prick out of our club and move on as soon as possible. And if that means if that means Ryan Mason in charge for the rest of the season, then so be it. I'm 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 here for that now. What do you think? Who do you what do you think we'll do? Do you think we'll appoint Mason? Do you think? We'll have someone else lined up to step in. I think it'd be Mason. Sure, sure. I I don't care about this season. I don't think we're getting top four with or without Conte anymore. There was a brief period of time where it's like, oh, okay, we've got one game a week. 
see it out with Conte. Sure, maybe we'll get top four. I no longer think we will, with or without him. So I don't care. I don't care about this season. I am beginning. I'm trying to buy in to beginning to be excited about next season. Thinking about prospective yeah. managers that we could be looking to hire. That that's what I care about now. I don't care about this season. And I'm yeah. working on videos now, looking at the managers that I really like that I think would be good for us coming out over the next few weeks. Probably gonna have a free one up first for everyone. A little bit of a teaser. Because see, Nathan's not as old as me. I'm just thinking that's another year gone and um, I'm getting close getting close to the end and I've still not seen Spurs win the league. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barley, and our tactic guy, Nathan If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Subs. We love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. 